Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, what we see here is so beautiful how the Lord has had us in these uh, studies uh, for several weeks now, and we're going to continue. Several weeks ago was on for the women, uh, for wives, specifically wives, but exhortation for women. And then uh, that's from chapter 5, verse 22, uh, for wives. Now, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you listen to our studies because we see the Christian home, uh, exhortation for women, exhortation for wives. And then that's from several two weeks ago uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. But then also in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, we shift to the men, the beautiful, beautiful men, my brothers in Christ, and beautiful sisters too, you know, for my sisters in Christ. But, you know, we, we, we studied the husbands as well, uh, and for men, uh, to understand what the Bible teaches uh, for wives, for husbands. And here we are in beautiful chapter 6 about children. My beautiful brothers and sisters who happen to be on the younger side of the house. Um, now, in this study that we have today, now it's for kids, for my beautiful brothers and sisters who are children, younger. I love you. We have to make this uh, 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 a distinction, making a difference. Uh, much like we do when you see a circle and a square. Now, you know, okay, this is a circle and this is a square. Now, I'm speaking to the young people now. I'm an old people, you know, praise be to the Lord. I love you too. Parents, I love you too. Praise be to the Lord. But I'm speaking to the young people now. Young people. And so we make this distinction or we make this difference the same exact way we do with the circle and the square. In our minds, we know, okay, I have a circle here and I have a square here. Now, when I say we make this difference, it's, you know, the younger kids, I would say like maybe under age 10, maybe under age 12, uh, make that distinction between the younger kids and then the older kids, all kids. And the reason why I say this is because the older kids, age 10, 11, 12, on up to, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, and I usually cap it right there, you know, at age, age 18, I always tell kids, okay, move on with life, you know, get out of the house, move, say bye-bye to mommy and daddy. And that, I only say 18, just so you know, I teach from America. Uh, and so you, it, you, you, you can't get like lease agreements. You can't get an apartment and sign lease agreements at age 15. Now, if we could, I'd say, okay, kids, leave at age 15. Let's move on with life. Uh, but at age 18, you know, walk with the Lord. You know, say bye bye to mommy and daddy and walk with the Lord. And it's and still when you're with your with, with with your parents, you know, walk with the Lord still. But you know, there's this fear that happens with young people, and some of that happens. This fear that happens, some of it occurs earlier on in life. Much of it occurs earlier on in life. And so my exhortation to young people is to make this distinction between the younger kids, which is like, you know, under age 12, I'll say under age 10, but then the older kids, when you can comprehend things. You know, I've had these conversations with 13-year-olds and a 13-year-old who understands what the Bible says about submitting to parents but then a 13-year-old, a 13-year-old mind looks at their parents, the, 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 what, what they have, 
not what they imagine as what a mom and dad is, but what they actually see. This is my mom and this is my dad. And the question has been posed to me. God wants me to submit to this. And this is from broken homes. And so that's why we make these distinctions between young kids and older kids. Because when you're older, you start to have these, uh, you can understand things on a deeper level, but sometimes they're not, at that level, they're not as deep as they could be. And we have to be fully aware of this spiritual side of life. And when I say spiritual side, it's not to like, you know, uh, uh, gloss over uh, 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 holiness. I say spiritual side because yes, it is spiritual, but it is so holy. It is so holy. And sometimes, sometimes parents don't really do a good job of showing a child the spiritual side of life and living obedience to the Lord. Now, if you're a child, you know, we can exercise these things, being gracious and merciful to parents. But understand too, this is for me personally. For me personally, in my experience, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 plus years now. In the very beginning, it was wishy-washy. I was lukewarm. The very beginning, and the Lord rocked me. He, he wrecked shop all over me. And I don't want anybody to come to Christ the way I did. And so I teach and, you know, don't make these mistakes that I made, you know. And so it's so powerful because once we understand this deep aspect of walking with Christ, it's, it's powerful because not, not in the sense of, you know, oh, we have this knowledge, but in the sense of what God can do with that. What God can do with you, my young brother, my young sister. What God can do with you, in you, and through you. And it's powerful. But for me, in my experience, I've seen the highest concentration of errors as Christians. The highest concentration of errors among the adults. Not with the kids. With the kids, you have an excuse because you're kids. You're learning. But then with parents... Much of them are without excuse because they know, and if they don't know, they should know. You see, many parents are without excuse. Most parents are without excuse. And I see this highest concentration of errors among the parents. Now, that's not for you kids to, you know, say like, how dare you, mom? How dare you, dad? You know, that's not to, we have to exercise mercy and grace and love and forgiveness. But at the same time, remember, and I say this, to everybody, but you know, we had exhortation for wives, we have exhortation for husbands, and now we have exhortation for children. The Lord never calls us to be foolish. He never calls us to be stupid. And so for you older kids, maybe 13, 14, maybe you see this in your own home. You, you see, you know, dad's making some crazy decisions. And mom is also making some crazy decisions and they think they're following the Lord. But you see, you know, dad is making some crazy decisions and mom is in submission to him. And you're like, whoa, these are crazy times. These are, you know, the Bible doesn't say that this is permissible. The Bible. Now, when that happens, my beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister, you must understand now because of your age. Now, if you're like you know, 12, 13, 14, where you can understand deeper things, but you're still under this covering 
of parents. And sometimes that covering gets pretty nasty. That's not your fault. You must know that. That is not your fault, my beautiful young brother, my beautiful young sister. It is not your fault. It is your parents' fault. Now, there is a better covering. And that better covering is Jesus Christ. You must understand this. Now, when I have these conversations with young people, you know, a 13-year-old boy or a 13-year-old girl comes to me and says, wow, you know, I know the Bible says that I I need to, you know, obey my parents and submit to my parents, but look at my parents. Look at what my mom is doing. Look what my dad is doing. And I have to submit to that? Well, these are things that we're going to study today. And, you know, for you younger, uh, uh, for you, uh, my young brothers, my young sisters who are, you know, maybe 13, 14, 15, you know, a lot of confusion can enter the mind, a young mind. And God is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of confusion. And you might be confused right now, but understand that sometimes the covering that you have in your parents Sometimes it is placed in the balance and found wanting. Now, understand, if that's you, there is a better covering, and that is Jesus Christ. You must understand this. And pray for your parents. You know, 15-year-olds who, you know, they're in broken homes. And, you know, it's very difficult for a 15-year-old boy or girl. I've had these conversations with teenagers. And it's very difficult for a young girl or a young boy or a, a, you know, teenagers to, to submit themselves to parents when the parents themselves are crazy. And when I say that, I don't mean to be disrespectful to your parents, but they've made their choice. You see? And just like we, if you've listened to our study for the wives and husbands, remember the formula must be right. The formula must be right. In some homes, I know Christian homes, they're, they're, they're saints. They believe in Jesus Christ. But you know who's the most, you know, takes point when it comes to their walk with Jesus Christ? They might be 10 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. Because dad is carnal and mom is carnal herself or submitting herself to carnal husband. And so Kids who are now the spiritual, not the spiritual leader, but they just take point. And that might be you. You see? Now, if that's you, understand that there's the better covering, which is Jesus Christ. And you pray for your mom. You pray for your dad. There's a lot of homes in the church. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But I'm speaking about Christian homes where it is straight up crazy town. Because the formula is not right in dad and the formula is not right in mom. And usually what happens is that the kids submit themselves to that model and they themselves are, you know, they fall under that umbrella, which is in a state of confusion. That's usually what happens. But I speak to a remnant. I teach a remnant. And that is you. To my young brothers, my young sisters, Under age 18, we'll say. Could be younger. Could be younger. I mean, you know, when when I say like 19 and under or maybe 20 and under, but, you know, I'll say it again, and I I don't want to harp on it, but, you know, age 20, tend tend to move on. 
Time to move on with life. You see? I would say 18. I, I teach from America. I only say 18 because you can legally sign your lease agreements, you know, get your apartment, sign your lease agreements, you know. Uh, uh, but if they change laws to where it's 15, I would say, hey, jump ship at 15, you know, move on with life. And what we see here is uh, it, it, it's very important when we see these examples in a Christian home of a godly husband, a godly wife, and godly kids. These are the makeup and building blocks of ministry. And for boys, possibly even pastoral ministry. You know, ministry as elder, ministry as pastor for boys. You see, now understand, for my young sisters in Christ, the covering is always, always male. The biblical covering the biblical model for holy covering is always male. Now, I know a lot of young females who, you know, they don't like that. You know, it's all the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy. Now, in some sense, I do agree. I don't like the patriarchies that we see today because I don't blame the model. I blame the so-called patriarch. And sometimes it's a dad, sometimes it's, you know, uh, uh, whatever. But, you know, I'm, I'm speaking of like a, a home. And people are oh, down with the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy. But usually whoever is the male that is assuming that role of the patriarch in the home, sometimes they just don't know. They were, they come to Christ and their babies in Christ and then they stay babies. They don't move on to perfection. And I've had these conversations with teenagers and it's a it's a big point of contention in the heart of a young person because the young person doesn't know what to do. What do I do? Do I you know the Bible says I need to submit to my parents, the Bible says I need to submit, but you know they're crazy, they're they're doing this, they're doing that, they're making these bad decisions. And listen, if that's you, and it pains me to say this, it it hurts me to say this because that's not the model. But hold on for dear life. Hold on to Jesus. Because sometimes there's a 15-year-old girl in a home. Dad's making terrible decisions. And mom is making terrible decisions, usually in submitting herself to a foolish man. And then you have a 15-year-old girl, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old girl, 14, 15, 16-year-old boy, who's just, they're losing it. They're going crazy in their mind because they know what the Bible says, that it's good to submit to parents. But when the when the formula isn't right in parents, kids don't have this understanding of what's happening in the spiritual realm. You see how Satan wants to destroy the home. He wants to destroy, you know, he destroys the family through the dad. And that's that's how he works. He destroys the family through the dad. Dads make these choices. They get, you know, they make these choices. And, you know, that's the danger. If you remember, for my young brothers and young sisters, teenagers, even younger, I mean, you know, sometimes young kids even have this comprehension and understanding. But if you remember, purpose in your heart to listen to our study through the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Because you'll understand the beauty of being a baby in Christ, a new believer in Christ. But you'll also understand the danger of being young in Christ.
You see? And if you're in a home that is broken, I want you to know that it breaks my heart. I don't want that for you. I don't like that for you. Hold on to Jesus. And in some cases, for dear life. Hold on to Jesus for dear life. And we're going to see in these passages, in these studies for children, we're going to see what the Lord can do. Remember, He never changes. He never changes. He is the constant throughout all history and even into the future. He is the constant. You and me, together, we stand firmly on the rock of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. You see? And, you know, I say that if you're a young person, a teenager, 13, 14, 15, boy, girl, I don't know. But if that's you, you hold on to Jesus for dear life, understanding that we stand firmly on the rock of salvation. But if that's not you and your home is intact, spiritually speaking, everything's on point. Rejoice. Praise be to the Lord. Even still pray for your parents. You see? Whether your home is broken or whether it's put together, pray for your parents. Because you're learning uh, these attributes you're learning to apply and you do apply these spiritual aspects which are building blocks for deeper things into the future you see and sometimes you know if you're in a broken home dad can go off into crazy town mom can go off into crazy town and you whether you're eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen i don't know but you fall on your face before the lord and you pray and you seek his face. And you pray for your parents. Pray for mom. Pray for dad. Pray for their marriage. You see? And I wonder, I wonder if from on high the Lord will hear and respond immediately. I don't know what it is, but in my experience, the prayers of old women, I don't know what it is, but the prayers of old women and children, in my experience, those have very quick response times from the Lord. Just That's just an observation. I'm not going to say, you know, this, the Bible says this, you know, that's just my observation. Usually when prayers are answered the fastest, it is old ladies who are praying, an old lady or uh, young children. That's just an observation. Pray for your parents. My beautiful brothers who are young, my beautiful sisters who are young. Now we see this in chapter 6. Open up your Bible to chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. We see this. <clears throat> children, children, obey your parents. Now, there's no period here. Children, obey your parents. There's no period here. Now, I, I, I'm speaking to the children, but I have something to say for parents. A lot of times, parents, they get on a little high horse and they say, hey, children, you have to obey me. You have to obey me. Look, the Bible says obey your parents. And yes, it, the Bible does say obey your parents, but there's no period here. Obey your parents in the Lord. 
You see? Remember, the formula must be right. You see? The parents must be abiding in Christ. Because the same exact way, uh, you know, for, you know, like the Bible says in chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands, which is a biblical truth. And it's very beautiful, it's very holy, but it is also very dangerous when the formula isn't right in the husband. You know, for the, the, the uh, uh, wife, you know, the Bible says, submit to your own husband. Now, if the husband wants to go do crack, are you going to submit to him and do the crack? No. Why? Because you're in submission to the better husband. The formula is not right in the husband. And so do not submit to that. You see, the same thing applies to children. A dad says, hey, son, you know, you're turning eight. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to take you out to the strippers. You see? Hey, daughter, you're turning uh, 15. And I don't know what they do at 15, but I'm going to do this with you. Let's go over here. I'll give you a fake ID and we're going to go to ladies night. Say the mom says, hey, daughter, you're yeah, I, I'm going to get you a nice fake ID. Uh, it says, you know, the it says you're 21 and, you know, we're going to go to the bars tonight, daughter. No. Now, if you're young. You make this distinction. You make this difference. Just like we do with the circle and square. You know, a square is not a circle. You see? So we make this distinction and understand when the formula is right with dad and mom, you submit. You submit. You submit yourself, which is a choice. And in obedience to your parents, in the Lord, says in verse 1, in the Lord, you see? For this is right. This is righteous. Now, if dad, if the formula is not right in dad, you have to be very careful. And, you know, young kids usually can't comprehend these things. Sometimes the older kids can't comprehend these things. But I teach and speak to a remnant. You might be a 13-year-old boy, a 15-year-old girl. Dad wants to do things that that you know because you study the Bible. Is dishonoring to the Lord. You have to make this distinction. You have to, to know what's happening with your dad. And to know that you also have to submit yourself To Jesus Christ, the ultimate patriarch, the better patriarch. You see, the the patriarch capital P, not lowercase p. Lowercase p is, you know, the dads of the home. Uppercase P is Jesus Christ. When dad is not in submission to Jesus Christ, hey, son, let's go do this. I'm going to get you a nice fake ID and we're going to go get drunk tonight. I'm going to get you a nice fake ID and we're going to go to the strip clubs tonight. To my young brothers, say no. Oh, but you have to obey me. You have to look, I'm your father. You have to obey me. No, dad. Because the Bible says, look, Ephesians chapter 6, obey your parents in the Lord. And you, Dad, what you're doing, that doesn't honor the Lord. You see? Same thing with moms. Mom goes to daughter. I mean, you say you're a 15-year-old teenager, girl. 
Mom says, hey, daughter, I'm going to get you a nice fake ID. Come on, let's go to let's go to the bar tonight. I want to be best friends with you, daughter. Let's go to the bar tonight. The same exact thing. No. Oh, you have to obey me. You got to do what I say. Show me. Show me, mom. Where does the Bible say that I have to obey you? Look, it says right here, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents. And I'm your parent. You got to obey me. Okay, mom. It is also written in the Lord. And if I go do that with you, I'm going to be outside of the Lord in that behavior. And I don't want to do that because my body is a temple of the Lord. You see? And I know children, kids, in these situations... Dad goes crazy, usually with sex, sometimes alcohol and drugs, but those are the three biggies. Sex, drugs, alcohol. Those are biggies. Stay away from my young brothers, my young sisters, whom I love. Stay away from those things. Sex, drugs, and alcohol. Stay away. And, you know, everything that's implied in all three of those categories. Sex, that's the pornography, the strippers, the drugs, you know, that's, oh, it's legal now. Marijuana is legal. I don't care. It's drugs. Stay away from it. Alcohol. Stay away. These are things that will kill you. And you, my precious brother, my precious sister in Christ, you make these distinctions. Yes, it is right and righteous to obey your parents. But never forget, in the Lord, the formula must be right. And when you have that formula, rejoice. When you don't have that formula, rejoice in the Lord. The better covering, the ultimate covering, and understand what is happening to mom and dad. They've been seduced. They've bought the lie. They believed the lie. However, it came to the attack came and they weren't ready. And the attack is coming for you, but you must be ready. And I really don't care how young or old you are for children. You might be 17 and you're beginning to grasp this. You might be eight and you're beginning to grasp. I don't know. But you know what? I really don't care. I don't care if you're eight or 18 or 15. But what I do care about is your soul. Honor the Lord. And when the formula is right in mom and dad... You know, like, you know, the, 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 the stars align, the aligning of the stars, you know, like, you know, that you have the, uh, uh, when the, when the moon aligns and you have the, uh, uh the, uh, uh, the tides, the, the, the rising of the tides. Well, the same exact thing. Everything is aligned perfectly. But for you children, everything needs to be aligned perfectly. You see, you submit to mom and dad, but mom and dad have to be in submission to Jesus Christ. You see? The formula is right. The stars are aligned. You see? Everybody is under the the ultimate covering of the patriarch, capital P. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, 
There are a lot of people who teach hardcore submission to the earthly. A lot of pastors who teach the hardcore submission to the earthly. I don't do that. Just like, you know, a wife, you have to submit to your husband. Husband goes crazy, now wife is under that. And you see a lot of wives who are crazy. A lot of women who are straight up crazy. Being tossed to and fro by all kinds of doctrine. Because, oh, the Bible says I have to submit to my husband. The pastor says I got to submit to my husband. So my husband wants to go do crack. My husband wants to go to the bars. My husband wants to do these, you know, the the, the unnatural use of the body. And so I'm going to do it. I got to be in submission. And wife turns crazy. And so instead of going to the Bible and understanding what the biblical model is in submission to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, mom starts buying all these books. Oh, I'm going to go to the New York Times bestseller. I'm going to see what crazy love says, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to see what unity says, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to New York Times bestseller. This guy writes about this. This lady writes about this, and I'm going to do that. And you know what you see? Tossed to and fro by all kinds of winds of doctrine. The whole time the formula is wrong. And for my young brothers and sisters, you must understand this and see this side of spiritual warfare and know that Satan wants to kill your mom and dad. Sometimes parents get mad at me. Oh, I don't like how you say this. Look, my kids are present. I don't like how you say this. You think kids, parent, is if that's you, Kids are in the most fiercest war zones in these last days. In the most fierce, especially if they're in public school. The, the kids are in the most fiercest form of spiritual warfare. Not all the times, but a majority of times. And if you want to shelter your kids to the point where they don't understand these deep spiritual things, you're putting them in harm's way. You see? You're putting them in harm's way. And you see parents. They shelter their kids to the point where, you know, the, all of a sudden, you know, sometimes parents make it easy for Satan. Because the kids are so, so, so sheltered that all Satan has to do is just throw up a lollipop and that kid is going to boom, run to that lollipop. Piece of cake. Why? Because the kid is so sheltered. Oh, but I'm doing, I got to keep my kids safe. I'm gotta, I got to keep my kids safe. Do you remember what happened in the wilderness with Israel? We don't want to go into Canaan. We're concerned about, you know, the women and children. We got to keep them safe. And, you know, oh, my children, they got to be safe. They got to be safe. The greatest safety for anyone, but for parents, the greatest safety for your children is in Jesus Christ. That there's no greater safety than than in Jesus Christ. You see? And so God says to Israel, he says, okay, because you're disobeying me and you don't want to go into Canaan for the sake of keeping your kids safe, your kids are safe with me. But for you parents, you're going to die. You see? And they die. And when you see Moses' exhortation to that, generation that lives and goes on to the promised land the first generation dead you see and a lot of parents oh i gotta shelter my kid i want to keep them now if if your kid is like two you know keep him safe keep her safe 
But if your kid is like 16 years old and 17 years old and you're sheltering your child, no, prepare your child for the world that's before them. Prepare them. I would say at age 17, it's probably too late. Parent, mom, dad, it's probably too late. At age 17 to start, too late. You start the day they're born. You see? But even for children, you have to understand these things. Sometimes parents say, oh, you know, kids aren't born with instruction manuals. Which I get, I understand. But there's the Bible, which is the best instruction manual for anybody. How to do anything. The best instruction manual is the Bible. And I say this from experience. I've tried all kinds of different instruction manuals and they all failed. But the Bible, the Word of God and the Word became flesh, He never fails. It breaks my heart sometimes because it breaks my heart in this situation all the time. But for young children in a broken home, because all of a sudden... You're 15 years old, 14, 16 years old, male, female, I don't know. And you read the promises of the Bible. And in your mind, how can this be true? How can this promise of God be true? When my home is this and it's a mess. When my home is fill in the blank. That is not your fault, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister. That is not your fault. Your parents, if that's you, your parents are an error. And even in this, maybe they're not believing. Maybe you're the only believer in the home. You see? And we have to make these distinctions. Who, who are the believers? If you're a child, you're young. You have to make this distinction. Is mom and dad, do they believe in Jesus Christ? And if they believe in Jesus Christ, are they milk drinkers? Or are they meat eaters? You see, and you want them to be meat eaters. But you can't force them. You see, but you can pray for them. Be wise. And see what you can learn in, 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 a, in a broken home. Do you see what you can learn? I mean, if you're in a, in a home where the, the formula is right in mom and dad and it's beautiful, rejoice. And you can learn from the example and glorify the Lord. Example in mom, example in dad, and praise be to the Lord. But if you're in a broken home, you know, you can learn also from the mistakes of dad, from the mistakes of mom, and learn what not to do as you also glorify the Lord and honor Him. You see? And a lot of kids never get this uh, understanding from the Bible. Because a pastor would just say, okay, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Okay, you see, this is righteous children. So if you want to be righteous, you got to listen to mommy. You got to listen to daddy and obey them. And a lot of times there's kids, 15-year-olds, 14-year-old girl, 15-year-old boy. 
well, the pastor says this, the pastor says I got to do this, so I'm going to do it. And then the confusion sets in. God is not the author of confusion. You must understand that the formula must be right. Yes, in you. But also in mom and dad. And when the formula is not right, you have to understand the better covering, which is Jesus Christ. You see? And sometimes 10-year-olds are more mature than 40-year-olds. Sometimes I know 12-year-olds who are more mature than 50-year-olds. You see? And those parents get mad at me. Oh, don't tell my kid this. Don't tell my kid this. Don't tell them this. Don't tell them that. But you have to make this distinction. Now we see this in verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, I like to use politics when I explain this and when we teach it Old Testament, New Testament. I like to use politics. Now, say, for example, we have a mayor who's straight up crazy or we'll, we'll look at the president. You know, I teach from America. So we'll say the, the, the president of the United States. If he calls me to his office, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll, Mr. President, I'll call him Mr. President. You see, I'll, I'll, I'll honor the office. But then if he says, you know, well, you know, I want to do this. I want you to do this. You know, no, that's not happening. I honor him. I respect the office. I respect him in that position because of you know, there's a lot of authority in the, the, the president of the United States. A lot of authority. And I respect that authority. I respect him in that office. But in the sense, in that capacity. But then in another sense. I'm not going to obey him. If he says, well, you know, I want you to do this. Uh, 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 how can we have uh, 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 transgenders teach preschool kids? I want you to uh, form a, a group, a study group. No, sorry, that's not happening. You see? I, Mr. President, you know, that's not happening. I'll respect him, respect the office, Mr. President. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Why? Because I submit myself and I obey a greater covering, which is Jesus Christ. Mr. President, you called me to your office. Here I am in your office. Mr. President, yes, you know, good morning, Mr. President. Yes, Mr. President. Well, I want you to form a, a, a study group, how we can implement this all throughout the country and all the preschoolers and preschools and, and kindergartners, how we can implement this all across the country. Mr. President, I'm sorry. No, I can't do that. You see? And I give this example for you kids, you children, you know, however young you are. I give this example so that you can understand yourself, you know, Yes, dad. Yes, mom. You want me to take out the trash? Okay, I'll take out the trash. What's this, dad? You want me, you want me to put, you know, cook spoons with you? No, that's not happening. You see? Mom, you want me to take out the trash? Okay, mom. I'll do that. I'll obey you. What's that, mom? You want me to get a fake ID and so I can go to the, uh, the bars with you and go to ladies night with you? You want to be my best friend? Sorry, mom. That's not happening. 
Why? Because you obey the greater covering, which is Jesus Christ. The formula is wrong with mom and dad in some regards. But the formula is always right. When it comes to Jesus Christ, you have to submit to him. You make this choice. And pray for your parents too. Fast for your parents. You see? This is, it's, it's beautiful to honor your father and mother. But remember that example where, you know, I'm in, in front of the president of the United States. Yes, Mr. President. Yes, Mr. President. Okay, Mr. President. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll respect him. I'll honor him in that capacity that he's in. Very important role for the globe. For the country, for sure, but for the world, world implications. But I'm not going to obey him. If if he says, you know, can you take out the garbage? Yes, Mr. President, I'll take out the garbage. But if he says, well, we're going to do these things and this and that, and we want to implement it in kindergarten and preschool and do these things. No, Mr. President, I cannot do that. You see? And I say this to my young brothers, my young sisters, especially the teenagers. Because young kids, sometimes it's very, oftentimes it's very difficult to understand. If you're like eight years old, nine years old, it's difficult to understand this. But 12, 13, 14, 15, sometimes it's still difficult, but you understand a little bit more to the point where more questions arise. Now, when more questions arise and you don't have a source for answers, you know what? Satan will come and knock in. Oh, I got the answer for you. He'll, he'll say, here, look, go hang out with these people. Go hang out. Look, your home is broken. Look, the Bible says there's beautiful things and the Bible says that uh, these beautiful promises for you, but then in your home, you don't have that. Look, go. Look. He, he has tons of alternatives. But when you understand the truth of what is happening, and you know, and you're equipped, and you have this understanding to know, wow, I need to pray for my mom. I need to pray for my dad. And you know, it stinks that they're crazy, but you know what? Craziness isn't forever. And rejoice in that. Dad might be crazy today. Mom might be crazy today, but they might not be crazy tomorrow. Now, they have a choice to make. But you pray for them, you see, and you fast. And remember, just this, my experience, the, the, the response time to prayer, just it, my experience is the quickest with old ladies and children. That's just in my experience. And so we see this biblical truth in verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise or better translated as the first commandment to engage, to engage. Now, turn with me really quick to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20. Okay, so Exodus chapter 20. We have the, the Ten Commandments. And you, you, if you've been walking with us for a while, this is a little refresher course for my young brothers, my young sisters. 
18 and below. You might be 20. You might, you know, I don't know. Different homes vary. But 18, 20 and below. We have a little wiggle room. Little uh, grace period, so to speak. <laughs> so we see how Paul says the first commandment with promise or the first commandment to engage. So what does that mean? Well, from a transactional standpoint, and when I say transactional, that's, you know, a person, male, female, unto the Lord. And, and we, we see this in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, or verse 3, the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But remember, on these two things hang all the law and the prophets is to love God and love others. Remember, God is always first. Love God, love people. And on these two hang all the laws and the prophets. That's what Jesus Christ says. The fulfillment of the law. And so from a transactional standpoint, I'm not advocating the law. But from a transactional standpoint, when you look at verse 3, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Transactionally speaking, that's between you and God. You see? You and God. In verse 4, second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image Transactionally speaking, that's between you and God. Now, we get into verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Transactionally speaking, that's between you and God. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath. Transactionally speaking, that's between you and God. Now we get into verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Boom. Transactionally speaking, that's between you and others. You see? And that's what Paul says when he says it's the first commandment with promise or the first commandment, better translated as the first commandment to engage. You see? Because when you look at the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, Exodus, in verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, verse 4, uh, verse uh, 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 verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath. That's you and the Lord. The things that a person does to honor the Lord. I'm not advocating the law, man. We're in Old Testament times now. We got in a time machine. We went from uh, uh, Ephesians to Exodus. We got in a time machine. And we're in a time machine. The seed has not yet come. If you've been listening for a while, you know our study through Galatians. Transactionally speaking, this is a person unto the Lord. But in the same sense, transitionally speaking, or I shouldn't say uh, transactionally speaking, (laughs) transactionally speaking, in verse 12, Honor your father and mother. It's not to say that the focus isn't the Lord. I mean, the focus in the previous verses is you unto the Lord. Now, still honoring the Lord and still glorifying the Lord. Now it's the Lord through the law that says, okay, now that you've done that to me, now that you don't have carved images to me before me, now that you don't, uh, now that you don't have any other gods before me, you make no other carved images, and now that you you don't take the name of the you don't take my name in vain, and you you remember the Sabbath and keep it holy unto me. Now go to mom and dad. Put your attention on mom and dad. It's not to say that one hundred percent of your attention is on mom and dad, 
but in glorifying the Lord and being obedient to the Lord now, transactionally speaking, not transition, I said transitionally speaking earlier, but I meant transactionally. English is my second language. <laughs> Honor your father and mother. You see? It's the first law. With promise is translated as, but you know, better translated as the first uh, the first commandment to engage. You see? To engage. So in the law, a person before the Lord and in obedience to that. In 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 in, in commandment number one, two, three, and four. A person and God. The Lord sees the obedience. And then all of a sudden you get verse 12. Okay. Now the fifth commandment, go to mom and dad and honor them. You see? The fact that it is written, directed at mom and dad, now engage. You see? The first commandment to engage. Now it's, to say it's not God, it's no longer on God, now it's on others. Now, you could look at it in that sense, but really, it's still in honoring of the Lord, in obedience to the Lord. Now you see this commandment, okay, mom and dad, honor them. But honor them, yes, there's this aspect of obedience unto them, but remember, the formula must be right. Old Testament times, say you and me are, you know, brother and brother, or if you're female, brother and sister, and we're uh, 11 years old. Okay, you and me, and we're 11 years old. And we perform all the, the statutes that are written in the law. We make our sacrifices and offerings and, you know, our, our parents do it. Dad does it. But then all of a sudden, dad says, you know what? I'm going to make an offering to Baal. For you and me, brother, brother and brother or brother and sister, for you and me. Nope, I'm not doing that. I want no part in this. Hey, son, why don't you go uh, get me that animal? We're going to go sacrifice to Baal. No, I can't. Can, Dad, I love you. But no, that's not happening. I'm not going to do that. Oh, you're being disobedient to me. Now, in the law, you know what they could do in the law? And what was commanded in the law? When there was a child who was disobedient to parents, the parent would correct them at home. But when the child was ruffian, you know, still unable to be disciplined, now those parents, they would take the, the take that child to the elders and they would take that child outside the, the gate or to the, to the gate of the, uh, of the, uh, of the, of the camp. And the elders, they would verify everything. Is this the case? Is this the case? Okay. Your kid's a ruffian. Well, it's also time to say goodnight for the kid because they would, they would stone the child. You see? Now, what if the dad, we say, no, dad, we're not going we're not, we're not to do this. We're not going to obey you because you want to make a sacrifice to the Baal. We're not going to do that. You want to make an offering to Molech. No, we're not going to do that. We love you, but that's not happening. Now, all of a sudden, dad gets angry with us. Remember you and me, we're brother and brother or brother and sister. We're just 11 years old in a tent. And dad go takes us out to the to the elders, my son, my daughter, they're disobedient. They're disobedient to me. The elders verify, ask us questions. 
They say, yes, elder, Mr. Whoever, respectful. We didn't, yes, we were disobedient. But he wanted to make the offerings to Baal. He wanted to make sacrifice to Molech. You see, now all of a sudden we're not stoned, but somebody else is in big trouble. You see? Now, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form, but to understand that the law points to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. You see? Transactionally speaking, the first law to engage, to honor your father and mother. And then we see in verse 13, still in Exodus 20, you shall not murder. Transactionally speaking, that's you unto another. You see, all the previous verses in verse 3, 4, and 7, and 8, it's transactionally speaking, you and the Lord. But then verse 12, now it's the very first about you and another person or other people. The first being mom and dad. The second being whoever, you know, maybe the thought is, I'm going to kill this guy. Don't do that. You shall not murder. Transactionally speaking, that's you unto another person. Transactionally speaking, in verse 4, you shall not commit adultery, you and another person. Verse 15, you shall not steal, you and another person. In verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you see, another person. In verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You know, other neighbor's house, you shall not cover neighbor's wife, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, anything that is your neighbor's, your neighbor's stuff. You shall not covet. You and another person, transactionally speaking. You see? Now you see why the Lord says, you know, what is the greatest, you know, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love people. On these two things. Hang all the law and the prophets. You see? And what do you see here in Exodus chapter 20? God and people from a transactional standpoint. You see? Verse 3, you shall have no gods before me. In verse 4, you shall make no car- carved image. In verse 7, you shall, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In verse 8, remember the Sabbath. That's you and the Lord. And then after verse 12, you and other people. Now we see why the Lord Jesus Christ says, you know, love God, love people. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when you understand this. And so let's go back to Ephesians now. Ephesians chapter 6. Now we see in Ephesians 6 verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's not just a blanket statement to say, children, obey your parents, period. That's not what the Bible says. We must understand as Bereans to study the scriptures and understand that the formula must be right. And it's beautiful. When the formula is right, it is beautiful. These are the building blocks and the makeup of ministry. For the boys, pastoral ministry. For the uh, uh, the girls in other, you know, ministry, not pastoral, not elder. 
But females can still be teachers. Look at Priscilla, who was a tent maker and a teacher of pastor, teacher of uh, Apollos, but together with her husband, you see, male covering. It's not to say that, you know, she was on a high horse and all of a sudden started her ministry where she was teaching pastors, teaching men, and, you know, she wanted to be the, the pastor. And No. She understood beautiful, beautiful Priscilla. I can't wait to meet her. It was like submission unto Aquila. And when the formula was right with him, they both taught Apollos. You see, the formula was right in Aquila. And Priscilla submitted herself to her husband who was in submission to Jesus Christ. The formula was beautiful. And she was a tent maker. Uh, Proverbs 31 woman. Beautiful. It's not just a blanket statement to children obey your parents. You children, you must make this distinction. You might be eight years old. A little bit more difficult because, you know, and you you can't be prideful or you know, trickery. I know how kids can get. We have to be wise. You see, sometimes parents say, oh, you don't, don't expect that from my children. Don't they? They're just kids. Look, my kid's just eight years old. He's just a kid. My kid is just nine years old. She's just a kid. Why no four-year-olds that study the Torah? You see, that's the, the low expectations. But children, my beautiful brothers, my beautiful young brothers, my beautiful young sisters, you must understand these things. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In verse 2, Ephesians 6, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, which is the first commandment with promise or the, the, uh, the first commandment to engage we looked at Exodus 20, and we see what that looks like. You and God, you and God, you and God, now you and people. Beginning with mom and dad. You see? Sometimes parents, parents get in their mind, you know, oh, I need to socialize my kid. My kid needs to be socialized with these other kids. Which isn't, it's not a bad thing. But start with you first, parents. Start with you first. Remember the, the first commandment with promise or the first commandment to engage in Exodus 20 verse 12 is mom and dad. Mom, dad, start first with you. You see? Because sometimes parents, a lot of times I should say, oh, I got to socialize my kids. I got to socialize my kids. Kids go hang out with other kids their own age and those kids turn crazy. Why? Because they're socializing with mess. You see? Start with you, mom and dad. Start with you. And it's so powerful when the formula is right with wisdom. Remember, the Lord calls us to be loving, gracious, merciful, forgiving, but you'll never find in the Bible a call to be stupid. Never. We see in verse 3, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. 
you see? Every once in a once in a while, we'll see situations where there will be the same exact thing in the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is one of them. Exodus 20, Ephesians 6. You see, alignment. You see? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. It's so powerful. It is so beautiful. And for my young brothers and sisters who are teenagers, if you don't have this formula, you always, always, always have the formula in Jesus Christ. Always. Always. I've had these conversations with teenagers. Suicidal teenagers. Because parents are babies. Dad's on milk. Mom's on milk. The kid is... Wanting spiritual pork chops. But can't get it. Because the formula is wrong. They go to a church. A pastor says, hey, you know, wife, you got to submit to your husband. What about when husband's crazy, pastor? Oh, the Bible says, wife, submit to your husband. So the wife, in obeying what the pastor says, because remember, the Bible says, submit to those who rule over you, spiritual leaders, pastors. The Bible says, I got to submit to pastors. So my pastor says, I got to submit to my husband. Husband goes off into crazy town. Look, wife is being dragged into crazy town. And kids who want to eat spiritual pork chops and spiritual, you know, that sink their teeth into the meat of the word of God. And they can't. Because mommy and daddy are listening to crazy pastor. Who isn't rightly dividing the word of God. And is in himself disobedient to the Lord. Or herself disobedient to the Lord. The formula is not right with female pastors. And then you have kids. And I've had these conversations, 15, 16 year old. Boys, I've read suicide letters. Talked to a kid who that very night was standing on a bridge, standing on the the bar of a bridge, the the little handrail of a bridge, standing on it. One little lean forward, say goodnight. You see? And by God's grace, he climbed down. We had a chat that night. He shows me the suicide letter. And parents have no idea. But that's what happens when parents go into crazy town. And the Lord also teaches parents about the millstone. Parents, it shouldn't be your kid on the bridge. Jesus Christ says it should be you on the bridge. You see? The millstone. Now, I'm not advocating suicide in saying that. But you better get right with the Lord, parents. Because you're hurting your kids. And you will give account. You will stand before the Lord and give account. 
Oh, don't say that. Look, God is love. God is love. Look, the Bible says the wife submit to her husband. And, you know, the, the kids submit to their parents. Look at the family. All you got to do is look at the fruit. It's kind of easy. All you got to do is look at the fruit. Look at the mess you see in homes. I'm speaking about Christian homes. You see it in the world. Sometimes it's so bad in the church that the world looks like, wow, the world is better. Sometimes it looks like the world is better. <clears throat> and it pains me to say that. But that's how much Christian homes have entered crazy town. But it's this one of the signs of the last days. And judgment comes first to the house of God, the church. See? Just like Paul when he's speaking to the Corinthian saints. There's, there's such sin in Corinth that is not even named among non-believers. That's how bad it is. He says, church, you're, you, have, you have so much leaven in you, church, saints, believers in Jesus Christ. You have so much leaven in you that Corinth looks better. You see, it's not even named among the non-believers. That's how bad it was in Corinth. And then you see the separation that needed to happen. And for my beautiful young brothers, my beautiful young sisters, you might be in this place right now as we speak. Where it's terrible. There's no safety in your home. There's tumultuous. At, ev at every turn, it's tumultuous. You walk down the hall, tumultuous. You go to the kitchen, tumultuous. You sit on the couch, tumultuous. You go to the bathroom, tumultuous. You go to the bedroom, tumultuous. Any room in the house, any corner in the house, tumultuous. And you don't know what to do. Hold on to Jesus. The real Jesus. There's, in the last days, there are multiple, 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 multiple Christs. And they're all fake except for one. Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus Christ, what's the sign of your coming? He says, many, many, uh, uh, many Christs will come which are propagated by many false prophets, false teachers, false, prof, uh, false pastors. In most cases, servants of Satan. Don't hang on to the fake. Because you hold on to the fake, there's no healing in the fake. But when you hold on to the real... <laughs> It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it is deep in your heart, in your bones to the marrow. It is deep. And you might have to jump ship at 18. You might have to jump ship at 17. Because that's how tumultuous it is in your home. You see? Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. <clears throat> An exhortation for my beautiful young brothers, my beautiful young sisters. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the, to the Lord before Eli. Now, 
This is nothing new. This is nothing new for the boy Samuel because look what is written in chapter 2, verse 18, still in 1 Samuel. Chapter 2, verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. So in chapter 3, he's a boy, but even before that, ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. How beautiful is this? Priestly garments. In verse 19, moreover, look at his beautiful mother. Hannah, one of my heroes, I love her so much, I can't wait to meet her. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe, priestly garments, a little robe, and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to to offer the yearly sacrifice, you see. So at one point in the year, she would see her son and give him the robe, but I wonder what she did each night. Each night that year, sewing, sitting in a chair, maybe rocking back and forth, praying for her son. You see? Sewing these robe, a robe for her son, a little bit each night. Some maybe some in the morning, some in the afternoon, praying for her son, rocking in her chair, sewing away, making a beautiful garment for her son. A covering for her son. How beautiful. When you see parents can grease the skids for their kids in righteousness, in holiness, making it easier for your sons, making it easier for your daughters. And Samuel had a beautiful head start. In chapter 2, verse 18, he's ministering before the Lord even as a child. You see? And now he's a little bit older. In chapter 3, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And Eli was the high priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Kind of reminds me of today. The word of the Lord being rare in these days. No widespread revelation in these days. Look at the church. Look at the craziness we see in the church. To my beautiful young brothers, my beautiful young sisters, under age 18. You might be 8 years old. You might be 7 years old. You might be 5 years old. You might be 13 years old. You might be 16 years old. Look at the craziness we see in the church today. Look at how in the church today, the word of the Lord is rare. Look at how in the church today, there's no widespread revelation. Look at how in the church today, there is a famine of the word of God. You see, we're living in prophetic times, biblical times. But nothing new under the sun. It was the same in the days of beautiful Samuel. The boy Samuel. Just a boy. I say just a boy, but I don't mean just a boy. But he's just a boy. Now we see here in verse 2. And it came to pass at that time while Eli, remember he's the high priest, was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, See, very interesting, you see, blindness coming to Eli. 
And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. Here I am! Exclamation point. Now, remember what we see in verse 1? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And who does the Lord cry out to? I shouldn't say cry out to. Who does the Lord call to? Little Samuel. The boy Samuel. You see? Now, if you've been listening for a while, you've been walking with us for a while, you know that in accordance to the law, the Lord speaks to the high priest. And now you have Eli. And you don't see in verse 4, the Lord called Eli. Where in the law, the Lord speaks to the high priest. You don't see that here. Why? Corruption in the priesthood. Corruption in the priesthood. And now, the little boy Samuel, like in verse 1, the boy Samuel. Now the boy Samuel is hearing the voice of the Lord. The Lord called Samuel in verse 4, and he answered, Here I am! Exclamation point. But he didn't really understand what was happening. Because look what he does. Samuel in verse 5. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. You see? So Samuel heard the voice, but he didn't know it was God. And he said, this is uh, Eli now, and he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. You see? Eli says, Hey, I didn't call you. That wasn't me. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So the boy Samuel, the boy, goes to the adult the boy goes to the adult. And he's an older adult. And somewhat blind. You see? So dim that he could not see, it says in verse 2. In verse 6. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me again. And Eli, he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Go back to bed. That wasn't me. I didn't call. Go back to bed. In verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. You say, wait a second. How could, how could the boy Samuel not know the Lord when he's serving the Lord? He's ministering to the Lord. I mean, we see it in chapter 2 when he was a child, even younger than he is in chapter 3, and he was serving, ministering to the Lord. And how could he not know the Lord? Well, how it translates here in the Hebrew is now Samuel did not yet comprehend the Lord. Emphasis on did not yet. You see? Remember, this is an exhortation to my beautiful young brothers, my beautiful young sisters in Christ. Under age 18. If you're over age 18, let's move on to perfection. And if you're younger, let's still move on to perfection. But even for the young people, like with Samuel, there are certain things regarding holiness and the Lord that you do not know yet. Not you do not know, period. 
you do not know yet. Now we see in verse 7, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Emphasis on yet. You see? And a lot of times among young people, they get this idea in their heads, like, I have to be a Bible scholar. In order to know the Bible, I have to be a Bible scholar. Look at little Samuel ministering to the Lord. Not yet comprehending the depths of the Lord. But yet still in love with the Lord. And in the fear of the Lord. And I say this to my young brothers, my young sisters in Christ. Let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. Sometimes the adults get on a high horse. I... I don't like it. I hate it. But it happens, you know. Not not everybody moves on to perfection. You know, one of the biggest... I was appalled at age, I would say, probably around 16. But it, it, it became more solidified at age 17, 18. But I was appalled at the adult world. Because the adult world is a mess. The adult world, it's crazy. You have adults making crazy decisions. Five-year-olds today make better decisions than than 30-year-olds. Ten-year-olds make better decisions than 40-year-olds. You see it. But yet you can love the Lord deeper and deeper and deeper every single day, falling deeper and deeper in love with Him. And remember, no widespread revelation of the Lord in those days, just like it is today. And yet the Lord says, Samuel. And I wonder if the Lord is calling to my any of my young brothers, my young sisters in Christ. I wonder. Let no one despise your youth. Sometimes adults, parents even get on a high horse. You don't know the Bible like I know the Bible, they might say. Don't instruct me. You can't instruct me. You don't know the Bible. Look, I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. And I know the Bible like the back of my hand. Now, adults, parents have to be very careful. Because when you know the Bible, which is a beautiful thing, knowledge is a gift of the Spirit, but when you know the Bible, you are officially accountable for what you know. You see? Now, if you choose to obey, it's beautiful. If you choose to disobey, it is deadly. You see? I'm just a messenger. Parents like to get on a high horse. You don't know the Bible like I do. Look, you're just 10 years old. You don't know the Bible like I Look, you're just 15 years old. You don't know the Bible like I do. And parents are instilling confusion in their children. It happens. And to talk with these kids. How can I... How can I obey what my dad says? How can I obey what my mom says? I know the Bible says it's okay, but how can I do that? Because it's not right. 
How can I be obedient to mom and dad when they want me to do this? How can I be obedient to mom and dad when they want me to lie on their behalf? They want me to lie so that they can save 10 bucks. They want me to lie so they can save, you know, a hundred bucks. You see? And what they're doing is serving God and mammon. And the Lord says, you cannot do that. You see? That's what's happening. It, you, you don't need me to, to say this because we see it. But we also see the fruit of it. You see, the child Samuel in chapter 2, serving the Lord. He's a little bit older. You see, the boy Samuel. You see, with his little robe, a covering fashioned by his beautiful mom. You see. Now we see in verse 8 what's happening here. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Now Samuel knows, like, look, I heard it. You did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. It took him a while. But he perceived that the Lord called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, Eli is giving him instruction. If that happens again, say to the, say to the Lord, you know, your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now we see in verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood. Very interesting because we see God's intimacy with this beautiful youth. You see? To my young brothers, my young sisters in Christ. Whether your earthly covering in mom and dad or mom or dad, whether or guardian, whether your earthly covering is holy or not, it can even be wicked, your earthly covering. Understand. That that is temporal, but then at the same time, look above that and you'll see the better covering where it is safe for you, which is Jesus Christ. And this intimacy that we see, the Lord and little Samuel. Because in verse 10, the Lord came and stood. Look at this intimacy we, we see here. Remember, in the law, the Lord goes to the high priest. The Lord speaks to the high priest. Except here, we don't see that. Did the Lord change his mind? No. The priest changed his heart. The priest. You see? The priest. Not just any old person in the camp. The priest. The one who's supposed to be in tune with the Lord. And he's out of tune from the Lord. And the Lord goes to Samuel. Just the boy. He doesn't go, he doesn't go to Eli. He doesn't go in to his sons because you know, the lineage of the priesthood was always to the sons. 
So using this formula of the law, I'm not advocating the law. If dad goes crazy, okay, the next son, firstborn son. If that firstborn son goes crazy, okay, son number two. If that son goes crazy, okay, son number three. Remember with Aaron's sons, the strange fire they offered? Okay, son number one, strange fire, dead. Son number two, strange fire, dead. Son number three, he honors the Lord and he lives. You see? But this model of the law, I'm not advocating the law, but this model, look at these safeguards for Israel, for the camp of Israel, for the people. You see? Dad goes crazy. Okay, son. Son goes crazy. Okay, next son. Okay, he goes crazy. Okay, next son. He goes crazy. Look. The Lord skips all of them. In the law, he, the Lord speaks to the Kohanim. In the law. The priesthood. That's the model. So why isn't it happening here in 1 Samuel chapter 3? Did the Lord change his mind? No. The hearts of the priesthood have shifted. The hearts of the adults... The adults, the adults, the adults, the adults, the hearts have shifted. The adults, the adults, the adults have gone crazy. The priesthood have gone crazy. Eli and his sons, the priests who are adults, have gone crazy. The Lord just straight up skips them. You think, okay, Eli goes crazy, I'm going to go to his firstborn son. No. Firstborn son is crazy. Second, crazy. They have abandoned the Lord. They have turned their back to the Lord. But the eyes of the Lord sees little Samuel honoring the prayer of beautiful Hannah. Prayers, I should say. It's beautiful. Sometimes to my beautiful young brothers and young sisters. There's this idea in your head, in your mind, in your heart. That the Lord can't speak to you. Because of your youth. Don't believe that. The Lord sees the hearts. Yes, of the adults. Yes, of the old people. But also the young. Remember, God, God is no respecter of persons. You see? You know how powerful that is? Because in these earth suits of ours, in this earth suit of yours, my beautiful young brothers and sisters, this idea what you know, I can't be used for this. The Lord can't speak to me because, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not even a pastor. I'm not even an elder. I'm not even in ministry. You know, I got my mom. I got my dad. I got, you know, I'm the youngest of, you know, 10 kids. Why would the Lord speak to me? I'm just the runt of this house. Praise be to the Lord. That's the most beautiful state to be in. 
the runt. Because that's what the Lord uses. <laughs> the base things of the world. You see? Oh, I'm just a runt. I'm just a runt. Don't feel down. Rejoice. Look at who, look at who the Lord skipped in speaking to Samuel. And persistent in calling Samuel. Not, okay, Samuel didn't hear me, so I'm going to go elsewhere. No, Samuel. And Samuel didn't understand. Then again, Samuel still didn't understand. You see? In verse 10, now the Lord came and stood. No, God has no respecter of persons. So remember the example I gave you, you know, I'm summons to the White House. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. Because, you know, I'm respectful of the office. Respectful of his authority. But God, he is no respecter of persons. Who is this guy? The Lord doesn't say, Mr. President. <laughs> you see? Mr. Prime Minister. The Lord is no respecter of persons. And look, he goes to little Samuel, bypassing the very ones who in the law speak and communicate with the Lord. And there's, as it says in verse three and verse one, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. How sad is that for the State of Israel. I say state, but I mean the state, the, the camp of Israel. How sad is that? It's like the funnel is turned off. The fountain is turned off. Why? Because the priests have gone crazy. Now you have a little boy who was... Serving the Lord, even as a child, even younger than he is in chapter 3, he was ministering to the Lord. With his priestly garments, robes fashioned by his beautiful mom, a covering. In verse 10, now the Lord came and stood and called as at other, as at other times, Samuel. Samuel and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Everyone who has ears to hear. Just like it is today. In these days of famine of the word of God where there is no widespread revelation in these days and how the word of the Lord is rare in these days I wonder whom among who among the young people have ears to hear have ears to understand just like Samuel Twelve, thirteen years old, fourteen, fifteen, maybe even eight, seven. Not quite comprehending the depths of the Lord. 
but just enough to know that he is good and you love him. Just enough to know that he is worthy to be praised. Just enough to know that you can trust in him. You see? And just like little Samuel who did not yet know the Lord in verse 7, did not yet comprehend the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Yet, yet, yet. Emphasis on yet. But what he knew was just enough to know that he loved him. Just enough to know that he wanted to minister to him. Just enough to know that he could trust in him. And now look. God Almighty skips the priests and says in verse 11, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle in that day. I will perform against Eli, against the priest, against the high priest, who in the law is written that the Lord will speak with him. Not only is the Lord not speaking to the high priest, but what the Lord will perform is against the high priest. Whoa! And the Lord is revealing it to the boy Samuel. <laughs> Let no one despise your youth, my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ. Under age 18. Let no one despise your youth. God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't say Mr. President. God doesn't say Madam Secretary. Look at what he's judging the high priest in verse 12. I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to end. You see? This is Eli's house. He's the patriarch of that house. And because of him, because of the patriarch, lowercase p, judgment is coming to his house. You see, in verse 13, for I have told him, you see, it's not to say that the Lord never spoke to Eli. The Lord stopped speaking to Eli. Because when he was speaking to him before, the Lord told him, hey, get your house in order. Patriarch, lowercase p. Get your house in order, priest. Get your house in order, Kohanim. Verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. Whoa. Eli knew? Yes, Eli knew. Why? Why is judgment coming to Eli's house? For the iniquity, he says in verse 13, for the iniquity which he knows. You see, God already told him. It's not that, 
It's not a blanket statement to say God never spoke to Eli. God absolutely spoke to Eli. Past tense. What happened? No regard for the holy. How many times do you see it in the Bible? Is it a small thing, O Israel? Is it a small thing, O church? And because Eli counted it as a small thing, you know what the Lord does? The Lord goes to the small thing. The boy Samuel. You see? What about you? I'm only 10 years old. What can the Lord do with me? I'm only 8 years old. What can the Lord do with me? I'm only 13. I'm only 16. What in the world can the Lord do with me? Look at what he does with Samuel. You see? This is so beautiful. Let no one despise your youth. I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile. You see, it's self-inflicted. His sons made themselves vile. And he, speaking of dad, did not restrain them or did not rebuke them. You have an Old Testament example of a parent wanting to be friends with their kids. And you see it all the time. Parents want to be their kids' best friend. Moms want to be best friends with their daughters. Dads want to be best friends with their sons. And you see it here with Eli. His sons made themselves vile. And instead of correcting his home and keeping his home clean before the Lord, his home is filthy before the Lord. Now he's not only blind, remember in verse 2, his eyes begin, they're so dim that he could not see. His ears are also so deaf that he cannot hear because of corruption that has entered his heart. You see? And Eli did nothing to correct his kids. You see? In verse 14, and therefore, remember, the Lord responds. The Lord responds to obedience and he responds to disobedience. Look at how the Lord is responding to Eli's choices. And look at how the Lord is responding to Samuel's choices. You see? The Lord responds to disobedience like he's doing with Eli the high priest, the Kohanim. And the Lord is responding to Samuel's obedience. You're like, whoa, this is beautiful. I know. But you know what else is beautiful? Look at the greased skids of Hannah. You see? Making it easy for her son. Praying for her son interceding for her son, seeing him once a year and bringing him a beautiful robe that she would knit. 
You see, parents, aiding the child in righteousness before the Lord. Look at the example you have in female, female Hannah and male Eli. You see, look at the patriarchy and look at the better patriarch. Look at the earthly patriarch and look at the heavenly patriarch. I've had these conversations with feminists, even teenage feminists. Down with the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy. Shift your gaze, my friend. And behold the better patriarch. His name is Jesus Christ. And submit yourself to him. You see? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Look at these parents. Wicked Eli and Holy Hannah. You see? Look at the fruit that it produced in the wicked sons of Eli and the beautiful, beautiful, righteous son of Hannah, Samuel. Let's continue. Verse 14. And therefore... I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Whoa. Whoa. Do you know how terrible this is for Eli? Because if you remember our study in the law to atone for sin, remember a lot of animals, which means a lot of blood, which means a lot of sin. And the Lord is saying to the priest, to the high priest, no more for Eli. You see? An Old Testament example of Eli taking advantage of God's grace. What we know as new covenant believers don't do. Remember Romans? Our study of the Romans? Does that mean that we should sin more so that grace can abound? Absolutely not, exclamation point. Certainly not, exclamation point. Don't do that. Don't take advantage of God's grace. What was Eli doing? Taking advantage of God's grace. Oh, you know what? Go ahead, do your sex, do your whatever, and we'll just, we'll just kill an animal. Go ahead, keep doing it. You know, we'll just kill more animals. Look, we got all these animals. We're good to go. We have plenty of atonement. You see? Go ahead, sons, no big deal. We got plenty of atonement. Look, we got all these animals. Look how blessed we are of the Lord. Now with carnal eyes, the people could see that and be like, wow, you know, Eli's blessed. But Samuel's spiritual eyes, real eyes to see and ears to hear, judgment on Eli. You see? God's judgment on Eli. Oh, that's so mean. That's so mean. Look, God is love. Absolutely, God is love. Absolutely, God is love. But it's no small thing. 
Don't take advantage of his grace, nor his mercy, nor his love. Remember, for my young brothers and sisters in Christ whom I love, the highest concentration of errors that I have seen are among the adults, not among the children, among the adults. The ones where you would assume that you have more holiness, more righteousness because they know. But knowing is one aspect. Obeying is a completely different ballgame. And to obey is better than the fat of rams. God is judging Eli. You see? They can have their, they can, you know, they got the animals, they got the blood, but it's meaningless. To Eli's house. You see? Oh, but Eli's the priest. He's not just the priest, he's the high priest. Grooming his sons to be, to, to take his place when he dies. So that son number one can be high priest. And when he dies, son number two. And for their kids. Because look, the law of Moses says, yes, the law of Moses says. But the formula must be right. And when the formula is wrong, the Lord not only skips over Eli's house and Eli's sons, he goes to Samuel. But he also judges Eli and his sons. You see? The sacrifices, it's not going to work. The offerings, not going to work. The atonement that you seek and that you need, Eli, not going to work. You see? Another Old Testament example of let not many be teachers. Because teachers are held to a much stricter account. Because people have their concept of God and Jesus, oftentimes through teachers through pastors. And if the pastor is not following the right formula, applying it in his life, in his marriage, in his home, teaching sound doctrine, now the filth of the pastor trickles down to the flock. And the Lord doesn't like that. You see, let not many be teachers. You see, Now we see here in verse 15. <clears throat> so Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Very interesting what we see here. Samuel wakes up in the morning. He goes to the doors of the, he goes to the, doors of the house of the Lord, the synagogue, the temple, and he opens the doors. Very interesting. But I have a question. Why isn't Eli, the, the priest, doing that? Why isn't one of his sons doing that? Or 
Eli and his sons. Why aren't they doing that? When they are tasked with Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. In the law, being servants. Why? We get a little picture of their hearts. Oh, we're just going to sleep in. Look, I'm a priest, but I had a... uh, We were just partying all night last night. Little alcohol, little sex. Eh, no big deal. We'll just sacrifice an animal. Atone for it. No big deal. Hey, Dad, you got this? Yes, son, I got it. Did you have a good time, son? I'm glad you're home safe, son. I'm glad you had a good time, son. What's that? You did your sexual stuff again? Well, I'm glad you're home safe, son. Sleep well, son. I'll just I'll just kill an animal tomorrow. No big deal, son. You see? Now judgment on Eli's house. Remember, no widespread revelation in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And yet God skips over Eli the high priest and goes to little boy Samuel. You see? Samuel wakes up in the morning. Absentee priests. Absentee Eli. Absentee sons. Kohanim. And Samuel opens the door of the temple. And Samuel was afraid in verse 15. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. (laughs) Remember, Samuel's afraid, like, wow, like, that's heavy. Look at how the Lord speaks to to Samuel. The Lord doesn't go to Samuel and say, you know, little boy Samuel, you know, we're going to go play with the ducks. We're going to go to the pond and play with the ducks. A lot of times parents like to homogenize the Bible. It's holy. Let the Lord speak. Take a back seat, parents. And let the Lord speak to your children, to your sons, to your daughters. Look at how the Lord is speaking to Samuel. You see? About judgment. I'm going to judge the priest. He's speaking that to the boy Samuel. I wonder how many parents, if they could get a glimpse of, you know, if if, if they could get a glimpse of, you know, like uh, how the Lord is speaking to Samuel, if they would say, I wonder how many adults would say, oh, no, 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 Eli, no, 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 that, that's, too, that's too hardcore, Eli. No, 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 I, I don't want you to hear that, Eli, it's too, it's, it's, it's too violent. We don't, look, God is love. We don't want judgments to come to, Look, it's a, we don't want to be judgmental, Samuel. We don't want judgment to come on Eli's house. Are you sure the Lord didn't tell you to, you know, go play with the ducks? Are you sure the Lord didn't, you know, tell you to go uh, pick lilies? Look, that's more suitable for your age bracket, your age category. That's more suitable for you. 
I wonder how many parents homogenize, attempt to homogenize the voice of the Lord. Let the Lord speak. You see? Now that Samuel knows, he's afraid to tell, he's afraid to tell Eli. I mean, God, God straight up told Samuel, I'm judging them. Their offerings, their sacrifices, meaningless. You see, remember in Isaiah 1? You know, I, I say it, but let's turn to Isaiah 1 really quick. <clears throat> in Isaiah 1. In Isaiah 1, verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings and of rams, of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. You see? He says in verse 13, Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. You see? He says in verse 14, Your appointed feasts, my soul hates. This is what the Lord is saying. I hate it. The Lord is saying, your offerings, your sacrifice, I hate it. That's what is said to the people. Now, look at Eli. The high priest who could have greased the skids for his children, his sons. The holiness of Eli could have been, the, the skids could have been greased for his sons to walk in holiness, who in, in turn and also could have greased the skids for the holiness of the camp of Israel, for the people. And that does not happen. The wickedness of the priesthood trickles to the people. You see? To Eli and his home, his tent. Sacrifices, no good. Offerings, no good. That's the priesthood. And to the people, in the course of time, look at what happens. The Lord says, your offerings, your sacrifice, my soul hates. That's what the Lord says. Now, holiness could have trickled from the high priest to the people. Could have. But Eli made his choice. And now it doesn't. You see? But look at beautiful Hannah. Look at the resolve of Hannah's heart. You see? In obedience to the Lord. Yes, honoring her husband and honoring the priest. Honoring Eli. Just like, you know, Mr. President, Mr. President. And the Mr. President says, well, we're going to do this. We're, we're, we're going to implement these things. And we want you to do this with the kindergartners and implement this. Like, sorry, Mr. President. You know, I honor you. I respect you. But... In that regard, that's not happening because I have a higher covering. His name is Jesus Christ and I have to obey him. But Mr. President, you know, 
You know, you want me to take out the trash? I'll take out the trash. You want me to implement this new policy which doesn't honor the Lord? That's not happening. Well, if you don't do it, we're going to kill you. Okay, take my head. I don't want it. I got a, a face only a mother can love anyways. I don't want it. You see? Look at Hannah. Honoring her husband. Honoring the priest, Eli. But Eli thought she was drunk. When she was praying to the Lord, the priest thought she was drunk. You see? And yet Hannah, greasing the skids for her beautiful son. And now when it's quiet, no widespread revelation, a famine of the word of God. You know who has food? Not the priest. The boy Samuel. You see? The boy Samuel. Not the adults. The adults are judged. <laughs> Eli is judged. The sons judged for their wickedness. They can go through the motions all they want. They can make atonement. They can, you know, make atonement, make the sacrifices. No good. It's not going to help them. And little, the boy Samuel. You know, we have to remember this. The boy Samuel, not the adult Samuel, not old man Samuel. That's later on down the road. This is the boy Samuel. Remember that. To my young brothers, my young sisters, remember that. The boy Samuel. What about the boy putting your name? Or the girl putting your name? I'm only 10. What can the Lord do? Whew. He can do amazing things. In you and through you, he can do amazing things. Incredible things. When the adults have gone crazy. And we're living in the last days. And I tell you the truth. The adults have gone crazy. Straight up loco. Crazy town. But I speak to the young people. A remnant of these last days among the youth. Let us learn from Holy Scripture what the Lord teaches us with the boy Samuel. So look what happens here in verse 17. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? This is Eli speaking to Samuel. Remember, Samuel's afraid. Like, you know, the Lord told me he's going to judge Eli and I don't want to tell Eli. And so Eli asked, hey, Samuel, what did the Lord say? What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. I wonder if Sam, remember Samuel was afraid to tell him. It says in verse 15 at the end. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. 
And Eli is adamant, tell me everything. Don't hold anything back from me. Okay, you asked for it. This is Samuel's first time, first time as a messenger. You see how powerful? Look at to my young brothers, my young sisters, whom I love. In chapter 2, verse 18, chapter 2, verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. And then we see in verse <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 1, that the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. You see? Before Eli, because Eli was the high priest. But the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. The child Eli ministered to the Lord. The boy Eli, or the, 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 the child Samuel ministered to the Lord. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. Even, like in verse 7, even when Samuel did not yet know or comprehend the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. You see, yet is key. And what Samuel knew of the Lord was that God is good. And that Samuel loved the Lord. And he could trust in the Lord. And now Eli is adamant. Like, tell me, Samuel, what is it that the Lord don't hold anything back from me? What is it that the Lord told you? Okay. And now we see day number one, Samuel as a messenger of the Lord. You see, let no one despise your youth. My beautiful brother, my beautiful sister. Today, ministering to the Lord, service unto the Lord. What does service unto the Lord look like? Does that mean I got to, you know, clean toilets in my church? Does that mean I got to, you know, do this, do that? No, listen, obedience is better than the fat of rams. Just as is written in Romans 12, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. You see, people think service unto the Lord is I got to do this, 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 this. I got to do this, this, this. We're not saved by works. There's a beautiful attribute and necessity for works. But biblically, what does that model look like? Obedience unto the Lord. You see, that's your reasonable service. Even as a child, you might be six years old and you can only comprehend maybe 60% of the things I say because there's certain words that you just don't understand. You might be 10 years old and you can get a little bit more. But you might be 13 years old and you understand exactly what I say. And remember, look at the adults in Samuel's day. Everybody's in crazy town. Except beautiful mama. Beautiful mama is holy. Look at what she did for Samuel. And in so doing, look at her sacrifice for her son Samuel, but also it's all unto the Lord in glorifying and honoring him, but in so doing for Israel. 
<laughs> you see? For Israel. Now you see, remember the faith of Moses? In, in Hebrews 11, you see the faith of Moses. But before you get to the faith of Moses, what do you see? The faith of Mama. It's beautiful. I don't understand, you know, a lot of females. Oh, you know, the men have gone crazy, so I'm going to be the pastor and I'm going to be the teacher. No, that's prideful and arrogant. Me personally, just in my opinion, the better ministry is not that of pastoring, but it's that of parenting. You see? Look at what Hannah did for her son and in so doing for Israel. Look at what Yaakobet uh, 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 did for her son and in so doing to Israel. You see? It's beautiful. And so now you have Eli, the high priests. He doesn't know that, you know, that he doesn't know that his sacrifices and offerings are meaningless. He thinks everything's fine. Oh yes, sons did their alcohol. They had their sex, you know. No big deal. Look, we're, we're Kohanim. The people have to do what we say because they have to submit themselves to what we say. There was, you know, a, a female didn't say she thought she was a leper. No, my son went to her and says, hey, I got to check you out for leprosy. Wickedness. And you know what? If it's if it's not good in the eyes of the Lord, look, we got all these animals. We'll sacrifice. We got the blood. Sprinkle here, sprinkle there. Boom, we're good to go. That's called going through the motions. And little Samuel, the boy Samuel knows Eli's in trouble. Major, major trouble. Why? Because he's judged now. So now look. Now you have this first instant, day number one of Samuel as a prophet. Day number one of Samuel as a prophet. Now you have day one as, you know, as a, a, a messenger, I should say. Day number one as a messenger, little boy Samuel. But don't forget the previous days when the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord and the child Samuel was ministering to the Lord, presenting his body a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Now look, day number one as messenger to the high priest and this is the message from the Lord to the high priest in verse 18. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. You asked for it, Eli. You asked. You said, don't hide anything from me. In verse 18, and he said, this is Eli. And he says, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good to him. This blows me away. This blows me away. Like in, 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 in verse uh, 15, Samuel gets up from in the morning, wakes up in the morning, and he goes to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the temple, synagogue, opens the doors of the house of the Lord. Where in the world is Eli? 
Why isn't he doing that? Why isn't he opening the doors? Why isn't one of his sons opening the doors? Why aren't they together opening the doors? If Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan could be said of them. Nah, no, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan cannot be said of them. Now, if you're like, what is he talking about? Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. Listen to our study to Leviticus. You'll understand. All of it. You'll understand. Because it's deep. Is every Kohanim a priest? No. You see? Because it's holy. It's deep. In the heart. And Eli, it just blows me away. Nonchalant, uh, you know. Let's sleep in, you know, that... That little boy, you know, he's a he's our servant. He's got to do whatever we whatever we say. He's got to do it. Then let let him open the doors. Let's just sleep in. Hey, sons, you want to? I know you had a rough night. You were out partying last night. I saw you getting chummy with those females. Let's just sleep in. Let Samuel take care of it. The boy Samuel, he's just a boy, little pip squeaky, just a boy. You see, and now Eli, now he knows what the Lord says to Samuel. And he says, it's the Lord. Let him do what he seems good to him. That, that's kind of odd from a high priest. It shows Eli's heart. Let him do what he seems good to him. Now, he just heard that his sacrifice and offering is meaningless. He just heard judgment from the Lord through the vessel, Samuel. Through the messenger, Samuel. And he's like, eh. Let the Lord do what seems good to him. It just strikes me as odd. That he wasn't cut to the heart. Maybe he despised the youth of Samuel. Oh, that's cute, Samuel. Look, your mom wants to make you these robes. That's pretty cute. You're not among these Kohanim. That's cute, Samuel. Oh, that's what the Lord so that's what the Lord revealed to you? Oh, you know what? Let him do what he seems good to him. I wonder if Eli, the priest, Eli, the Kohanim, Eli, the adult, was despising the youth of the boy Samuel. See? And you know what else I love? I mean, it just strikes me as odd, Eli's heart. Yeah, you know. Okay. If that's what the Lord said, said, you know, let him do what he seems is good. Instead of repenting. Oh, that's cute, Samuel. Oh, open the doors at the at, at, at the in the house in the house of the Lord. Open the doors early tomorrow. I'm gonna sleep in. And what's so beautiful is Samuel. He says what the Lord told him. He says what the Lord told him, and 
That's it. Like the rest is between Eli and the Lord. To my young brothers, male, boys, you might be eight years old, you might be 15 years old, I don't know. Get used, get accustomed when you stand for righteousness, when you make a choice, a cognizant choice to stand for righteousness. Sometimes, I want to say you have to let the chips fall where they may. I don't want to imply any sense of gambling, you know, letting the chips fall. But sometimes you just... When you stand for righteousness, people won't like it because it's holy. Get comfortable with that. Even when it's uncomfortable... Get comfortable with that. For females too. But I'm specifically calling out the boys. Do you know why? Because these are building blocks for pastoral ministry. You teach the word of God. Truth. And truth Sometimes it is painful. Sometimes it is utterly painful. The only way truth of God's holy word, the only way that it is not painful is with obedience to you and to those who hear you. But get very used. You might be 8, you might be 10, you might be 12, you might be 17. I don't know. For boys and girls, my brothers and sisters, but I'm calling out specifically the boys. Because your choice to obey the Lord today in, in, in presenting yourself, your body, your temple as a living sacrifice, the choices that you make Today, to honor the Lord and the Lord alone can be the very building blocks which will prepare you for pastoral ministry if the Lord calls you there. You see? You say, I don't know if the Lord's going to call me, so why should I do that? Well, why place limitations? You see? Why place limitations on that which can be limitless? And I'm calling out the boys because you'll be a man one day. (laughs) Male. Male covering for churches, for the flock of God. You see? For my sisters, the females. You do the same, except it's a little different. Your covering isn't for the flock in a pastor sense or in an elder sense. But your covering is for offspring in the Hannah sense, you see? And in so doing, look at what she did through her faith. Look at what she did in her stand. 
Look at what she did for the camp of Israel. You see? In verse 19, Now, for my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ who are young, under age 18, we'll say, I don't want to lord over your faith in any way, shape, or form. But if you are willing, take a highlighter and highlight verse 19, all of it. Because verse 19 is beautiful. So Samuel grew, in the Hebrew translates as, became great. Greatness in Samuel. Maturity in Samuel. I want to say greatness. How it translates as became great. It's not great like in the, you know, he became like, you know, a multi-billionaire. <clears throat> no. This is spiritual. We're not talking worldly. We're talking heavenly. I mean, look at, look at all the greats of the new covenant. Look at Stephen, the great Stephen, the noble killed John the Baptist the great beheaded John the great burned left alive or you know thought they were dead they couldn't kill him you know thrown in a pit of tar he wouldn't die so they sent him to Patmos this is the greatness that I refer to not greatness like multi-billionaire. In verse 19, so Samuel grew. He became great. And the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Now, the Lord is with Samuel. Now we see what's, what God's doing is. And what is it? And let none of his words fall to the ground. You see? My young brothers, my young sisters, highlight verse 19 and remember it. Because the child Samuel, in chapter 2, verse 18, the child Samuel ministered before the Lord. The boy Samuel, in chapter 3, verse 1, ministered before the Lord. In chapter 3, verse 7, Samuel did not yet know or comprehend the Lord. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Yet. Yet, 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 yet. And that might be you. But you know God is good. You know you love the Lord. You know you trust the Lord. And in the course of time, you too, my brother, you too, my sister, most beloved in the Lord, can become great in the Lord. And just as is written here, the Lord was with him in verse 19, and let none of his words fall to the ground. I can't tell you how many times parents, parents have been very mad at me. Parents, the adults, very mad at me. Oh, you're a homewrecker. You're such a homewrecker. Look, you're destroying my home. Biblically, 
parents do that themselves through disobedience unto the Lord. I speak of a different family, one that's not of this world. Dad wants to go crazy, usually with sex, sometimes with drugs and alcohol, sometimes it's a combo. Mom wants to go crazy and, you know, being tossed to and fro by all kinds of winds of doctrine. So you have dad that's crazy, entering crazy town. Mom that has entered crazy town in submission to crazy husband. And to tell a child to abide in Christ. And then the parents get mad at you. The adults get mad at you. Oh, you're breaking your home record. Look, you're destroying my home. No, 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 no. You've done that yourself. You see? Look at the growth you see in Samuel, the child. Ministering. Service unto the Lord. Remember, service unto the Lord. Does that mean I gotta, you know, sweep floors, clean the toilets in the church and do this, do that? No. Parents get mad at me at that too. Oh, but I want to, I want to teach my children service. And so I want this. No, no, parent, you want a slave. You want the kids to clean the house. Mothers, they want, you know, they want to have eight kids, nine kids, ten kids. And then you talk to the moms. Oh, I'm going to teach my daughter service. I'm going to teach them service unto the Lord. I'm going to teach them servanthood. No, you just want to serve it. I mean, if you're going to have kids, train your kids. Teach your own kids. Let the kids be kids. And you have like, you know, a, 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 a 10-year-old girl that's behaving like a mom. You know, a 13-year-old a girl that's behaving like a mom. No, a 13-year-old girl needs to be a 13-year-old girl in the Lord. A 16-year-old girl needs to be a 16-year-old girl in the Lord. Not a mom. And yet, that's what you see inside the church. Why? The church is crazy. Last days. Oh, I don't like how you say that. How dare you say that? It's true. Proof is in the pudding. Look at the fruit. All you got to do is look at the fruit. You see? Wives, women got to nip at the bottle at night. Why? Because there's no power of the Holy Spirit to provide the comfort. So what do they do? They find the comfort in the bottle. They don't tell anybody. It's a little secret. But the Lord sees. It's happening. And when the kids see it, they the kids see it and they think like, what is happening? This is... They read the Bible and the kids, a young child, the faith of a child reads the Bible and it's so beautiful, reads about the promises of the Lord and how beautiful and lovely and I don't have the words, it's just glorious it is. But then Satan comes and whispers in their young ears, if God is so good, if God's promises are so good, why is your home hell? Why is your home a mess? Why are your parents on the verge of divorce? Why does your dad go to the strip clubs? 
Why does your dad, you know, go hang out with his friends to the bars? Why does your mom, you know, sip at the bottle at night? Why does mom get the New York Times bestseller, Crazy Love? Why does your mom buy the New York Times bestseller, you know, Unity, Unity, Unity? Crazy town. You don't find it in the Bible because it's spiritually discerned. The Bible becomes literature. It's a form of judgment. And judgment comes first in the house of God. And Satan knows this. Satan knows the formula. Then he'll go to the kids. Look, kids. That Christianity... It's pointless. So why don't you just come hang out with me? Let's, you know, look, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Look, these guys, they'll help you. These, these guys, these gals, they'll be your friends. Then you have a 14-year-old boy, 15-year-old girl getting sucked into the ways of the world through the deceitfulness of sin and sin that is not of their own. It is what they see in mommy and daddy, parents, who forgot about the millstone. But parents will stand before the Lord. And to my young brothers, my young sisters, you have to understand this. You must understand this, especially teenagers. Because teenagers do understand this. They see it. And if you're a teenager and you've heard that, Whisper of Satan. You're being seduced away from Christ. You need to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. No big spiel. You don't have to have a little conversation with him. Just, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That's it. Leave it at that. And you hold on to Jesus Christ. And you learn from Samuel. The little boy ministered to the Lord's service unto the Lord. The child service unto the Lord. The boy service unto the Lord. You see his first first day as messenger of the Lord. And his first day of messenger is judgment. (laughs) Imagine if the Lord calls you into pastoral ministry. What is your first message going to (laughs) be? Judgment? That's how it was with Samuel, you see. How many times I've spoken with people, oh, you know, don't don't teach about hellfire, damnation, you know, judgment and hell and all. Don't teach about that. You know, people don't like that. Who does? The Lord doesn't like it. Which is why he says, hey, believe in Jesus Christ. You see, he sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Don't candy coat the word of God. For the young, male, female, boy and girl, be bold in the Lord. But be wise. You know, dad wants to be crazy. Mom wants to be crazy. Don't say, hey, mom, dad, you're crazy. Understand, maybe it's best to just keep your mouth closed and go before the Lord. Go in your bedroom. Go into a place of the house where it's nice and quiet, a prayer closet maybe. Close the door. You don't have to announce, you don't know, social media posts. Hey, look, I'm praying. 
Hey, look, I'm, look how holy I am. I'm, no, because nobody has to see except your Father in heaven who sees you. And you go on your face before the Lord. And you pray for your mom. You pray for your dad. You intercede for mom. Intercede for dad. You're not the spiritual leader, but spiritually speaking, you can take point in that home. The leaders, so-called leaders, have abdicated their responsibility. They can get it back. But you can't go into people's hearts. The Lord can. You see? Let no one despise your youth. Even if your parents despise your youth. Even if pastors despise your youth. Even if elders despise your youth. You before the Lord. Let no one despise your youth. And I hope you highlight verse 19. (laughs) I don't want to lord over anybody, but if you're young. Highlight verse 19, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. You see? And all in verse 20, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established or confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. You see? You see how powerful this is? I mean, you look at verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And now you fast forward to verse 20. I mean, verse 19 and 20. The Lord was with him. None of his words fell to the ground. And the people knew that he was confirmed and established as a prophet of the Lord. As his vessel. A vessel of the Lord. You see? And you being a vessel of the Lord, my young brother, my young sister... It might be today. But whether it's tomorrow, you have to purpose in your heart. You have friends that call you, hey, let's go do this, let's go do that. You have a choice to make. You believe in Jesus Christ, you abide in Jesus Christ, and you see the world is going crazy. You thought that adults should have everything put together. And maybe you're like me. When you see the largest concentration of foolishness is among the adults. It has to be so. For judgment to come first to the church, it has to be so. Let no one despise your youth, my friend. In verse 21, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. You see, how does that happen? He revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. You see, it's through the Bible, the word of God. And that's how he reveals himself to you and to me through the word of God. And the word became flesh. You see? And how beautiful 
How beautiful is it to see how the Lord has taught us as this remnant of the last days. Exhortation for wives, exhortation for husbands, and exhortation for young people. You see? And the revealing of the Lord happened in Samuel by the word of the Lord. And it happens today for you through the word of the Lord. You see? Aboda, Aboda, Mishkan. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.